This week is the second part of my chat with NLP expert Damon Cart. And in this part, we dive a little deeper into setting goals and making sure that whatever goal you are achieving is growing you as a person and leading you towards a greater sense of long-term fulfillment. Hello and welcome to episode 205 of the Working With podcast, a podcast to answer all your questions about productivity, time management, self-development and goal planning. My name is Carl Pauline and I am your host for this show. This week's episode is part two of my chat with Damon Cart. Damon Cart is an NLP specialist who has studied NLP or neuro-linguistic programming for over 10 years. Damon has a very successful YouTube channel which I have linked to in the show notes as well as a thriving coaching business where he helps senior executives and high achievers build fulfilling lives. There is so much valuable information in this episode, so get your notebooks ready and let's go. So with NLP, do you have like, are there any specific questions you can ask? I know we've covered that, you know, um, know, the importance of a goal, what will it do for you? But are there any other specific questions a person could ask when they're setting a goal from an NLP perspective that will kind of give them a bit more clarity? Yeah, so um, there's a lot here, and there was a lot of things that you were saying that I was like, oh, yes, uh, uh, a lot of things that I could respond to. Uh, first of all, let me just say that um, I think most people have this idea about setting a goal as a very static thing. Mm-hmm. Like, there's the target, and I'm just going to go and, and, and do it. And I would also say this, that if your goal isn't transforming you in the process of achieving it, it's probably not a really good goal. Uh, so, and, and this is why, again, why values are so important is that when you go through that, when you understand what your values are and you're aligning consciously to those values, you're going to transform and you're going to transform into, uh, the best version of yourself. Your values are your, your purpose in life. Your highest values are your purpose in life. So aligning your goals to that is going to change everything for you. And when we think about a, a goal. First, what we want to do, and then you were talking a bit about this too, the specifics of it, like losing weight. A lot of times I'll say, you know, I'll ask, I'll ask a person, you know, what is it they want? And they'll just jump straight to the values. They'll just say, well, I want to be happy. It's like, okay, we can't set goals necessarily off that. If you just say, well, I want to be happy. And then I say, well, how would you know it if you were happy? And that's when they just kind of go, oh, I don't know. You know, so a goal does need to be specific and it needs to be measurable. You need to know whether or not you're moving toward it or away from it. And so the best way that I can maybe explain that is, you know, I traveled here to Spain from California. And before I traveled here, you could, you could say it was my goal to get to Spain. You know, uh, I didn't actually write it out and say, this is a goal, but in a sense, that's what a goal is. I want to go do that thing. I have, I'm not doing it right now. I'm not there yet. So now I want to do that. Well, how will I know it when I've achieved that? Well, I'll, the plane will land. I'll see, I'll walk out of the plane on and I'll see that uh, things written in Spanish and they'll say, you know, 
Uh, I'll go through the, the passport control. And so these are all things that let me know based in uh, sensory-based information that I have in fact arrived in Spain. Mm -hmm. It's not a nebulous thing. It's not like, oh, I feel good. You know, I'll feel good because I'm in Spain. And it's like, no, I know I'm in Spain because I can see it. I can hear it. it I'm hearing Spanish. I'm seeing everything. So that's what you, you want to know that goal that well. Like, how will I know it when I've achieved it? And so a lot of people are not clear about that at all when they set a goal. So if it's a financial goal, we'll, we'll know exactly how much uh, you want to make and how will you know it when you, when you have it? Will it be uh, assets that you own? Uh, will it be in the form of that or will it be liquid? Will you see the numbers in your bank account? Like that's the kind of specifics we need to get to to really have a solid lock on what the goal is. So how will you know it when it's achieved? Very, very important. And a lot of people just kind of have very fuzzy, nebulous goals. Um, and there's uh, a guy who I, work, I did a little work with, uh, Jason Fladlin. He says, uh, fuzzy targets don't get hit. So you, you need to be very specific about what it is you're after. And from there, then we say, then you would, a good question to ask yourself is, well, once I have this, what will it do for me? Or what is important to me about achieving that? And so that's where we start to elicit uh, the values. And then from eliciting the values, we do a hierarchy of those values. So once you list them out, you go one at a time and say, okay, which one of these values, if I could, if I could only have one, would I take? And so what we're doing is a hierarchy or what we call an NLP logical levels. And so what the point of this is, is that if I know that my highest value is happiness, and then my second highest value is joy, and then the third highest value is peace. And by the way, this hierarchy and these values will be different from goal to goal. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people say, well, oh, once I know my values, I know them across the board. No, that's not true. Uh, from goal to goal, they will change and they should change. And again, we are complex, dynamic beings. Uh, we are, and, and that's not a bad thing. And we're also, that makes us flexible and adaptable. But when you know the hierarchy of those values, decision-making becomes so, so much easier. So if you were thinking, okay, I wanna buy a car and you just walked into the, the, the dealership and you're gonna have sales, a salesperson, possibly more than one, throwing you know, the benefits and the, you know, the bells and the whistles of this car and that car, and it just gets really confusing. And then you kind of just go, okay, I'm tired. Just get, tell me how much it costs and I'll just buy one of these and I'll get out of here. Uh, it's amazing how many people will actually go and buy a car that way. And I didn't go walk into the dealership intending to buy it that way, hmm. but that's just kind of what happens. Uh, so what if ahead of time you say, okay, this is the car I have in mind. I'm willing to, uh, to flex on that. Like I don't, it doesn't have to be ex exactly this, but I want to have an, that idea in my mind, exactly what I want with the flexibility and then ask yourself, well, what, what would having this particular car do for me? And then you start listing your values around that. And then you do the hierarchy and then you go look at the cars and then you got this car, maybe safety is one of your values, maybe luxury is one of your values. And then uh, perhaps the way the car looks, you know, uh, sporty or you know, it looks really nice. Mm. But if you don't know which one of those values is most important to you, you're going to get a car that has some of those and you can have another car that has some of those. And then you're going to be confused and you're not going to know which one should I buy. But if you know that safety is at the top of your list of values and then luxury second, and then how the car looks third, it's going to be a lot easier to pick specifically which car lines up exactly to those values. And so decision-making becomes a lot easier. So knowing the hierarchy of your values around that goal helps you make uh, the clearest, most precise decisions you can make about what step you're going to take 
as you go through this process. And I think that's really, for a lot of people, one of the hardest parts about achieving a goal is you feel like you're really in the dark about how exactly to go about achieving that goal. But if you, if it, if you know what those values are and you know the hierarchy of those values, then you know, okay, what's not so much important about achieving the goals, the most important thing about what I'm doing here is my own fulfillment. And so if my every decision I make, I start with checking off my highest values, making sure those are met. And some of those values may not be able to get met. You know, as you go down the list, uh, you hit, hit, you know, you're at value five or six, some of those might have to go by the wayside. But if you're checking off the first three values and you're making sure that you're making a decision that will align to those three, no matter what, you're going to be happy about that decision. And you will be able to sleep well at night just knowing that you made the best possible decision. And then sometimes it won't work out because there are always going, there's always going to be information that is outside of your, you know, your consciousness of your awareness. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're doing your due diligence and you're making decisions that are aligning with your highest values, that is the absolute best you can possibly do. And so if it doesn't go well, it's like, you're okay with it. You don't feel like you're, you know, you don't beat yourself up about it because you, you, you weren't working in the dark. You were working with everything that you knew you needed to do. And that was going to fulfill you. And so ultimately you're, you'll be happy with your decisions. And if it doesn't go well, you just, that's more data that you collect and you go, okay, now I know this. And then if I'm in a similar situation like that, again, I know more information. I can make a better choice. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So moving on there to the, well, kind of my next question, which will be, do you, is there a goal? There's a goal planning process or framework. Now, I, I know we've been very clear, be aware of what your values are related to that goal. But then what happens? What, what would you do from there? Yeah, so you want to also do what we call an, a congruence check and an, an, an ecology check. Mm-hmm. So a congruence check is basically your, it's like an internal ecology thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you ask yourself, do I have any objection to achieving this goal? never going to have an objection to fulfilling a value that's what we're hardwired to do that's what we're we're trying to do so you want to make it specific about the goal do i have any internal resistance about this do i have any objection to it and most people what they'll do is if they do have some sort of internal resistance first of all it's usually unconscious Mm -hmm. and this is when we say things like oh i i sabotage myself or like i have this part of me that doesn't want me to have this and this is very destructive to look at your internal resistance this way because what happens is you go to war with yourself and you, you know, you're fighting back and forth. Sometimes that resistance will win and then you feel terrible and you, and you say, oh, I, I'm not good enough to do this. Um, you know, um, and that's when we, you know, uh, have those feelings of low self-worth or you overcome that resistance by beating it down and bulldozing over it. And then you achieve the thing and you wonder why it feels so empty and unfulfilling. Well, because there's a whole entire part of you that didn't get, its values fulfilled, you had to beat it down. So of course, you're only, you're only firing on a few cylinders here. So that internal resistance, all it really is, is just another part of you that is trying to fulfill values as well. And a lot of times the same values as the goal you're consciously trying to achieve. It's amazing how much, how often that is, it's the same values. It's just become disconnected from the rest of you. And so instead of pushing resistance away, we welcome resistance. And we go to the resistance and I do this just like I'm talking to someone else. And I ask myself, I go to the resistance and I welcome it. I say, I understand that you're a part of me. I understand that you're trying to do something good for me, that you're trying to fulfill a value, you have a positive intention for me. And I'm curious, what is that? 
and get that part to tell me. And so a lot of times, like I'll give you an example of this. I struggled with this for a long time because it was completely unconscious and I didn't know what it was. I wanted to be successful and that meant like making more money. And I had a lot of financial goals and I was never hitting them. And when I started understanding this process, I went to that part and I said, okay, that was resisting. And I said, I, you know, having a new understanding about this, I welcomed the part, made friends with it. And I said, okay, so what are you trying to do for me in a positive way? And the part said, I don't want you to be greedy. Okay. So first of all, that's stated in the negative. And most of the time when you elicit the positive intention of resistance, it will come out stated in the negative like that. It'll tell you what it doesn't want. Okay. You cannot move toward what we don't want. If you get in a cab in New York city and the driver says, where do you want to go? And you say, well, I don't want to go to times square. You're not going anywhere. You know, so you have to then move it into the positive and say, okay. And so I had to say to this part of me, well, if you don't want me to be greedy, what do you want me to be instead? And the part said, I want you to be generous. Hmm. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I can work with this. Right. Hmm. So I went to the part and said, does it make sense to you that if the more successful I am financially, the more generous I can be? Mm-hmm. And the part was like, well, yeah. And I said, okay, now would you like to be a part of this process? So now I'm, bring, I'm integrated. I'm bringing it into the process. Would you like to be a part of this process and me becoming more successful and making sure that I remain a generous person and that I don't become greedy in this process? And the part was like, yes, like your resistant parts are always they want to be part of the process. They want to be integrated. At some point, point in your life, you identified this as like a resistant part that you were trying to get rid of and you started pushing it away. And so you made it no longer a part of the process, but all of your parts want to be whole. All of your parts want to become unified. And the truth is, is that they actually are. It's only an illusion that we have parts and that we're you know fighting within ourselves. So really what those resistant parts want is they just want to be a part of the process. And when you unify yourself that way, Man, you are, imagine, you know, you're going at your goals as a whole person. You're going at hundred percent firing on all cylinders versus fighting yourself and, you know, having to play tug of war with yourself in order to achieve your goals, which a lot of people do. And, and, and unfortunately, not only do a lot of people glorify this, a lot of teachers glorify it. And like, you have, you gotta, you know, you gotta fight through the resistance. You gotta, and it's like, no, you're, 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 you're crippling yourself by doing that. So that's why we want to check congruence. We want to make sure that I'm hundred percent on board with achieving this goal. And if there is any resistance that I integrate that resistance and make it part of the process, which will motivate me more. It'll make me um, go at this hundred percent. And you're more likely to achieve what you want and faster if you do that. So that's the internal part. You also want to check the external part. Yeah. So you want to also check ecology, the external systems around you. Is there any resistance or would, could there be any, potentially any problems externally in my, re, in my relationships or in my career, or my business, if I achieve this, you know, uh, what comes to mind is like helping people uh, shed weight and then they're afraid their spouse might get jealous, you know, and then that could be a problem. So if, if you're not identifying this stuff early on and it's all unconscious, you might start to lose weight and then you stop and then you, you, you go back to gaining weight because of that fear of the sort of external ecology. So you want to check in, are you going to disturb those systems? Uh, and, and you will to a certain extent, anytime you achieve something, you're, you're going to create a disturbance and at the very least how people perceive you. And you probably have experienced this where um, maybe you weren't very successful. And as you became more successful, uh, you lost friends and you didn't know why. 
and or or you had friends who started being jealous or they started giving you sort of backhanded compliments and so they would sort of you know like give you a compliment but make it sound like uh well they could do the same thing they just are not as greedy as you are you know or something like that right, right, these right. things start to happen people start to act really weird around you when you start to become more successful and so you want to check in or you know you're going to disturb these systems is it worth disturbing these systems um should you talk to these people ahead of time and say hey here's what i'm doing i mean you should always probably talk to your spouse when you're doing something big um just so that they're they know what you're up to and, and why you're you're doing things differently so it that's the the sort of external part so these things need to be thought of ahead of time rather than you know just running straight into them and then wondering why you know things are collapsing or people aren't liking you or you, maybe you lose your job because whatever it is you're working toward is a conflict of interest. So you, you need to check into these external things as well. It's kind of interesting because a couple of things that you mentioned there that just reminded me of like what Jim Rohn said is become a millionaire, not because of the money, but because of who you will become. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think it was Mel Robbins who, who talks about, um, you know, get rid of toxic people. And it's very, you know, when you are going after, a, particularly if you're going after a success goal, I see one of the interesting ones is those of the people working inside a company and say, right, I'm, I'm tired of being stuck as just a manager. I want to be a leader. I want to join the leadership group. Well, to do that, you have to become ambitious. You know, you have to, you, you're going to have to change the way you work. And that's going to upset a lot of your colleagues. Uh, particularly yeah. the ones who kind of think, hmm, I've been here longer than them. They do what right, you know, there's going to be quite a bit of conflict. And you're right, in terms of the environment that you're working, the ecology, you've got to be ready, you know, you've got to be aware that this is possibly going to happen. And more importantly, are you comfortable with that? Right. Um, so yeah. yeah, there's just a couple of things. It's it's surprising how I know with NLP you can go very, very deep, but there's also like a lot of these things that people are actually aware of on a daily basis, they see it every day um, mm. playing out in front of their eyes. But obviously, as you say, it's often subconsciously we're being aware of it rather than consciously being aware of it. So, right. yeah, that, that's uh, that's a really good. So so the final part of that is is OK, so we, we're going to get uh, we, we, we're working towards this goal. Um, and there was something else that I picked up in, in the videos that you've done on goal planning, which is about the fulfillment side and the values. And you're right when you say when you achieve a goal, you're going to be happy for about and celebratory for a few hours, maybe a couple of days if you're lucky. Mm. But then what? D does, do, do you have any, do you guide any of your clients about that part of, well, okay, then what? Yeah, so why, this is why I like to try to take the emphasis off the goal, you know, where I say, the, you know, so the goal should be more like, you know, again, I like, I like the analogy of traveling. If you were taking a road trip and it was sort of like, let's say you were taking a road trip across the states and you wanted to get to, from California, you wanted to uh, arrive at Texas, you know, in the first day and you're going completely across the country. Well, then the goal is arriving at Texas. But when you get to Texas, it's not like you break out the champagne and you go, you know, nuts over it. It's like, well, no, you're still on the journey. This is just one, you know, part of it. And maybe, maybe you exceed it. Maybe you get all the way to, I don't know, Louisiana, where I'm originally from, you know, so uh, it's, that's where you, you, you put the, the goal in the context of it's a much greater journey that, that you're on. 
And just achieving the goal is just sort of like, oh yeah, okay, cool. You know, I, I, I did that. It also lets me know I'm going in the right direction. Uh, it, you know, it aligns with my values. And so it's like, okay, well, so well then what is the next thing? So what I do recommend people do is take, break their life down into three to five major life contexts. And whatever makes sense to you, there's no right or wrong about this. You know, for some people, it might be, you know, if they're a student education, their education part of their life may be taking up most of their life. When I was in my early 20s, you know, that would have been the case for me when I was in college. Now it's not the case for me. So it might be something like career, uh, uh, intimate relationship, uh, social life, you know, whatever, whatever you feel like are the broad strokes of your life. And then in each one of those, set one goal, Mm -hmm. set one goal. And like I said, do know specifically what that goal is. How will you know when you achieve it? How, what will you see? What will you hear? Will you be able to touch it? How will you know it? You know, and then elicit your values around that. Go back and look at the goal. Does that goal really align with your values? And about 50% of the time it won't. And then that's when you adjust it so that you make sure it does align with your goal. I mean, uh, with your values. Mm-hmm. Uh, do your congruence check, do your ecology check. Okay, we're clear for takeoff. Uh, start working toward that goal. And if it's a long-term goal, I would say check in with it about every three months, do another value solicitation off of it. Ask yourself, now that I've collected three months of data of working toward this goal, is uh, is this really aligning to my values? Is the strategy a good strategy? A lot of times because people don't know what their values are, they uh, overvalue the strategy and they fall in love with their strategies mm-hmm. to achieve the goal. And when the strategy doesn't work, they, because they will feel too lost without the strategy, they cling to the strategy and they just have a losing strategy and they go down with the ship right. and you don't want that, right? You want to be able to just throw the strategies are disposable. And even the goals are really disposable. If they're not lining up with your values, throw them out, start, you know, start with a different goal. Hmm. And so when you keep your values out there, uh, what I, this is what I call vision, you know, people, this was another part that I struggled with. People would say, well, you got to have a vision and uh, I read books on this and I, I tried, you know, in having a vision and nothing ever clicked with me until I was like, well, why don't I take my values and create a, a vision out of my values? A, a vision is purposefully vague. It's very general, but it's a representation of all of your values coming together and in and, and one form. And when you can create a vision off of that, it's super motivating. And it's so much more motivating than a, say like a vision board where those have been very popular. And, you know, people get upset with me because they think I'm dissing the vision board. If you want a vision board, go for it. Um, but when you have a vision in your mind that goes with you everywhere you go, even and it's there, uh, even when you're not conscious of it, motivating you, driving you, uh, showing you the right direction to go in, it's like a compass that's so much more powerful. And so your, your goals and your achievement of your goals are always, should always be in service to that vision and in alignment with that vision. So it really de-emphasizes goals so much when you have an overall vision. So once you achieve that goal, then you refer to your vision again and say, okay, go to the vision for what next, you know, knowing what my vision is, well, what makes sense for me? What, what's the next goal that makes sense for me? Mm-hmm. And that, that vision will show you that direction and, and show you what that goal should be. But again, like this, when you do it this way, you don't really get to that point where you kind of go, oh, what now? Or that emptiness after achieving a goal. It's just kind of like, cool, all right? 
<laughs> uh, whatever, whatever, you know, for the market milestone, isn't it? It's exactly. Just like, it's like, oh, right. fantastic. Next one. Yeah. And, and, and when you do that, the, 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 the funny thing is, is people are oftentimes afraid to do that hmm. because they're like, well, if I do it like that, Damon, uh, I don't think I'm going to achieve the goal. And I was like, it's kind of a paradox. You know, it's, it's counterintuitive. It's so much easier to achieve goals this way. And a lot of times you'll achieve the goal before you even realize you've achieved the goal. You'll do it and go like, oh, wait a minute. I actually just achieved that goal. (laughs) Exactly. And, and then you, and then again, that's the, the de-emphasis of it makes it so much more uh, achievable. That's actually interesting because that kind of links back to what Jim Rohn was saying. It's like, okay, by all means become a millionaire, but not for the money, but because of the person you become, you become that person and you don't realize, oh, I'm making a million dollars a year. How the hell did I do that? But you've actually exactly. become that person. So you don't even think of it as a goal anymore, right? Because you are that person now, right? Are you, so so the, the, then the question becomes, and this is uh, I think where uh, people become servants to the goal, mm. and this is not what you want, you know. And I would say even further than that, like a slave to the goal, mm. and this creates a lot of unhappiness, mm. and and uh, and really takes away from your fulfillment. So you got to ask yourself, why am I even doing this? if it makes me so unhappy or if it's taking away from my fulfillment, if your goals are not serving your overall fulfillment, then, then throw it out. It is not good. It's toxic. Mm-hmm. And part of that fulfillment is that transformation. So go after the goals that will transform you. Just like you said, what Jim Rohn said about becoming a millionaire. If your goals are not in service to your fulfillment, which means they will transform you, then throw them out. They're, they're not going to make you happy. They're not going to make you happy while you're achieving them in the process of them. And when you do achieve them, then at the very best, you're going to get that hour or two of celebration, feeling good. And then it's pure emptiness after, after that. So are you going to, you know, if you say it takes you about a year to achieve a goal, every year of your life, you're going to be a servant to that goal, being unhappy, being unfulfilled for that two hours of, oh, I feel great about myself and then start it all over again and do, do that year after year. Like that makes absolutely no sense to me. Now, I didn't know this before, you know, and, and I was doing it the other way and just wondering why am I so unhappy and why am I not achieving anything? Mm-hmm. And then now it's like, I, I don't put so much emphasis on my goals anymore. And oftentimes it happens just like we just mentioned where I, like I step into it and go, oh yeah, I kind of just did that thing, didn't I? <laughs> but it doesn't matter so much. You know, it's really why are we here if it's, if it's not for fulfillment? And like I said, one way you know you are in that you're fulfilling yourself is you're transforming. But I really do think you should be taking up marathon running. <laughs> <laughs> I hate running. People say stuff like that. Or I'll use that as an, uh, as an analogy or an example. Know. It's just funny, by the way, I don't I, saw, I know you mentioned it in a video and I, cause I actually, I love marathon running, but actually I use it as a measure because um, I only do one, I don't even do it every year, but um, if I've, I tend to think of it as I'm getting older, because I'm in my early 50s now, I'm thinking if I can do a marathon every five years, I know that my fitness levels are fine. Uh, So Mm -hmm. I'm using it as a measure. But I actually, I like the challenge of that because I know it's six months of preparation. And there's there's something about, for me anyway, because I've been running since I was a teenager, um, mm-hmm. But for me, it's something about running. It's like my my moment in nature. Even when I was living in the middle of a city, I could go out for a run for an hour, and it's like I'm not living in the city. 
because you just go into a different kind of mindset when I'm running and it's like, I hear the sounds and I hear the, I smell the smells, which I don't normally smell on a day-to-day basis. So it's, um, it's a nice process, but uh, I just remember you saying, I have no intention of running a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I've met people who, who run marathons and do Ironman, you know, and, and that whole thing. And one of the things that I, I'm, I'm fascinated by is they absolutely love it. Like, oh they're not going to become world champions. They're not going to be, uh, they're not winning any money They're, you know, and, but they just love doing it. And that. And that's, that's a great example. That's probably why I use that metaphor mm. or, or, or analogy is because I meet these people and I'm just kind of fascinated, like, cause I do not like it. I don't like it at all, mm. but they also think I'm crazy because I started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu at 40 years old. <laughs> and, uh, that's been, that's been a journey too, because there have been many times where I had to kind of sit back and say, okay, what do, is there anything really here for me that I still want? And, and I've had to change my goals. I've had to change why I do that. And it, it would have been, the younger me would have just quit. You know, instead of, I asked myself, what brought me here? And am I, you know, am I getting something out of this? And I've had to change focus. And then, uh, but there is something about the purity of, being in a, in a sparring match with someone and, you know, trying to choke each other, trying to break each other's arms, not really breaking our know, arms, know, but yeah. mm-hmm. there's, there's something to that intensity that I've never gotten anywhere else. Um, and there's, so, there's like a, there's a certain honesty about it. Like you either tap or you don't, you know, it's like you either won or you didn't, it's very decisive. And so there's just something about that, that draws me to it. And it's probably very similar to people who run marathons and they just absolutely love the process of running that marathon and it's not about finishing first or winning or anything like that i think once you've got that first medal which you know i got quite a long time ago now it's no longer about you know the challenge of running a marathon it's i just it's the process of preparing for me um and then it's like okay i've got i've given myself i can give myself a month's break i've just run 26.2 miles i can i can have a month off um, yeah. but there's just something about that process but actually I, when I got deeper about it I thought you know I know it's me measuring myself I realized why I was doing it because I've got no reason to do it I've done it before and as you say I'm not going to be an Olympic champion I'm not going to win any money from doing it but there is also a bit of camaraderie with the other marathon runners sure. um, yeah. that's kind of a lot of fun and here in Korea um, the after um, because there's everyone brings out the this special uh, Korean soup which they make from kimchi, and they have a special alcohol called uh, makoli, uh, which is wow, it's, it's good stuff. <laughs> and uh, there's there's part of that as well that comes into it. But uh, no, I just thought I'd have to. I, I heard you mention I have no intention of doing a marathon. I thought, yeah, because I, I am a, I do do marathons not every year, but certainly every two or three years. And I, it's thinking about it it's not about actually achieving it or completing the marathon anymore. It's about the process. I, I just love that process of doing yeah. it. Yeah. It's a great analogy for life. Mm-hmm. And uh, also if I come to Korea, I'd like to skip the marathon and just go to the end part where you yeah, we'll, we'll go, we'll do the, uh, yeah, the soup and the uh, makgeolli. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, Damon, it's been fantastic having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. I will let you get back to your trip now. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and, well, thank um, you for having me on. It's been great. Well, there you go. I hope you got a lot of valuable information from this episode. I know I did. Thank you so much to Damon for doing this with me. And it just remains for me now to wish you all a very, very productive week. <laughs>